Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome everyone to this bumper episode in which we will be discussing the ins and outs of psychological safety. Joining me today to lend their extensive expertise to our discussion is Lita Curry, Director at 33 Stickman, Sarah Babb, an Organizational Development and Change Consultant, and Robin Whitaker of Kaleidoscope Light. Let's begin. Hi, lovely to be with you today. Thank you, Karen. Hi, Karen. Good to see you guys. So psychological safety is the term coined by Harvard School, Harvard Business School professor Amy Edmondson. And of course, it is the term she used to refer to the belief that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns or mistakes. And personally, I can't really fathom how any collaborative and thriving team could function without the sense of safety. Yet, as research shows, Toxic practices like being black dotted, undermined, or outright humiliated still seem to be so prevalent in our organization. Uh, yes, I agree. It's sadly, it's, it is still prevalent in many organizations. And I think it's partly due to how we used to view management being effective, where managers are driven by being the go-to person, being the ego-driven or hierarchical position or power-driven focus. And that really lends itself to old-style management that is self-protective, that is not inclusive of opinions or diversity, and really uh, is driven by fear. And particularly where organizations are restructuring and there's a fear of a loss of jobs and loss of potential future opportunities. So this dynamic and the spiral of leading from fear, leading from control, uh, really leaves the team feeling, as you say, undermined or even humiliated or not heard in that environment which really makes it difficult for individuals to contribute, but keeps that dynamic going, which is so damaging on so many levels. Sarah, having worked in the field of organizational development for a number of years now, what is your view on this disparity? The irony is that in, in uncertainty and with COVID and with the complexity of the world we're in at the moment, we need the exact opposite. And I think that's also why there's a drive to build a, a foundation of a relational work opening where we need all minds to be applying themselves to how do we work in this new world? How do we find new ways together? And it's absolutely in this environment that we need psychologically safe environments for everybody to feel that they can contribute, they can be critical, they can be innovative, they can share just how they are. I think with so much stress and uh, emotional baggage and pressure that we're facing, we need our workplaces to be providing this place of safety where we can thrive and each contribute and actually all work towards building a meaningful and sustainable and new future. Absolutely. Now, one of the cornerstones of building psychological safety is the ability for the team members to be quite vulnerable. Lita, this is for you specifically. Could you tell us what vulnerability in a team would look like or feel like drawing from your experience of working with teams that are psychologically safe? 
Yeah, that's a good question, Karen. I think, first of all, it's people don't like feeling vulnerable. If you hear the word vulnerability and your, your stomach constricts, know that that is absolutely natural. We've aligned ourselves to survive by not being vulnerable. So the feeling of vulnerability in a team and for anyone really in that team is really uncomfortable. And I think that's the first thing that we have to realize. But without the vulnerability, we won't be able to trust the people in the team. So that vulnerability is absolutely critical for people to be able to put themselves out there and start trusting one another. And I think the important thing that I've seen in the teams that I've worked with is that it really starts with the leader of the team. The leader sets the pace, the leader sets the scene. And if they can show some vulnerability, the rest of the team will emulate it. Again, if they show that, you know, they're um, incredibly autocratic and that they're not going to open up and that command and control that Sarah spoke about, the rest of the team is not going to open up either. So the team really emulates what they see around the leader. So when we run workshops with teams where trust is an issue, there's a lot of work that we do beforehand to speak to the leader and to say, this is how we need you to behave. What is stopping you from being vulnerable? What is stopping you from trusting the team? Removing those blockages, because that allows the team in the moment to see the vulnerability and they respond to that. So it really all starts with the leader. Absolutely. Now, Robin, your work focuses on really facilitating deep conversations using the theory you methodology. What is your view on the quality of conversations that organizations are having regarding psychological safety? I think that part of the issue is that um, when we when we develop buzzwords or we develop sort of um, need to dynamics within an organization, uh, it's easy to say we're going to create a space of psychological safety or a safe space or a brave space, or we are going to run a process which will really address things like the diversity, equity, inclusion. We know we need to do these things, but we kind of confuse the rationale and the reason for doing them. And so I think often organizations implement or uh, commit to processes such as these, where they overtly state that they want to be a safe space, but it actually takes a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of inner work for the people who have committed to running this process to genuinely put into place the kind of dynamics, the kind of vulnerabilities that Lita has spoken about, the commitment at a deep inner intent level to genuinely create those spaces. And the, the worry is that when we say we're going to do something and then we don't deliver or we don't deliver genuinely, we break trust. And so we actually wind up doing the opposite of what the intent is. And I think part of the trouble with, with the fact that um, so many organizations know they need to do this work, commit to doing a process, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons. So they, the dynamic, the intent from which it comes is very much around, well, if we create this, we'll have better productivity. Well, if we create this, we'll be more successful. Well, if we create this, we'll be more sustainable. And it's a, it's a bizarre phenomenon because that is why that often what motivates people to to do this work but it's actually the wrong motivation so it's putting the cart before the horse and i like that analogy because really this work is about living beings so the horse needs to be before the cart the living beings need to be before what that organization's sort of mandate and deliverables are and the other beautiful thing is that when you look after the health of the horse you actually don't necessarily predicate what the cart that it's going to draw 
is going to look like. So this is foundational work. And unless you attend to that bedrock work, it doesn't matter what you build on top of it, it's still going to crack and have flaws. And people are still going to feel unsafe because they read the intent. We're very good at reading intent. That is so important. I agree 100% with what you've just said, and it's so true. We read the intention behind the behavior, and we can feel when things are not authentic. And it actually devalues the process and undermines it if we're trying to build psychological safety with the wrong intentions. So very interesting. I um, recently came across an article titled, This Question is the Foundation of Psychological Safety by Ryan Jenkins, uh, which was published on Entrepreneur Asia Pacific. Now in there, Ryan Jenkins writes that there is a fundamentally human question underlying psychological safety. And that question is, am I safe? Essentially, he goes on to say that this is the question that underlies our three basic human needs, which are to survive, to belong, and to become. And of course, these needs were identified by Dr. Britt Andriata. Robin, through the conversations you facilitate, how would you advise that organizations answer this question, am I safe? So this is hard to do from an organizational perspective when we haven't yet cracked it as a human species. And I think so much, there is there is so much consciousness and there is such a longing within us for belonging, really, which is, which is where safety emanates from. So for the sense of being accepted, being loved, belonging, and it is actually a fundamentally human question. It's like the essential human question. And so if we can't start to really work with that at our own inner individual, level, it's extraordinarily hard. In fact, it's impossible to to bring that into an organizational culture. And so as Lita was saying, um, it really does rest with the leader. And the interesting thing is that doesn't necessarily always have to be the sort of formalized structure hierarchical leader, but it needs someone to lead this process from within, starting from within themselves. An interesting thing in organizations is if, if you just sort of step back for a moment and you look for where does influence sit. And the influence doesn't often doesn't necessarily sit with uh, the person who has the structural leadership role, but in almost every organization, except for the completely toxic ones where actually rats are fleeing, you will find that there's kind of this hub of influence and if you look at the center of that hub of influence, you will find a person who's doing this work. And this work is never complete. So it's not to say they're kind of some angelic being, but it's somebody who is choosing to become more conscious and choosing to let go of an outcome orientation and to really work with their own sense of being okay, being whole. And because they've done that work, they create the environment around others for that as well. And that's what influence is derived from. So so really highly influential people. And it's not, it's, it's again, it's this, it's this difficulty between, okay, why do you start try this? Why do you start this journey? So if you're starting it with the end in mind that I want to be highly influential, you probably got the wrong intent. But highly influential people tend to have the ability to allow people to know that they belong, allow people to know that they matter and I will support you and allow people to know that they are cared for. 
and it doesn't have to be like an intense, I bring you flowers every day. It's just, I see you. So, so that's really the work that needs to happen at an organizational level. And it's very deep work, which is partly why I, I think processes like Theory U, there are many others, there's deep democracy work, there's warm data, there's many, but processes that really focus on this inner work and supporting a team to do the inner work without any obligatory outcome expected are absolutely key to bring into organizations. Absolutely. And so critical during this time when we face losing our connection, it is really critical that we start these processes with the right intention, not so much with being productivity focused, but almost with this need to instill the sense of belonging. And that's going to come to the fore to the organization is to create these spaces where people can come to belong. And we're seeing this, you know, this trend from the great resignation. People are looking for that connection. We know better, we want better, we choose better. We want to find that place where we can belong. Now, Lita, just turning my attention back to you, you recently published an article on talenttalks.net relating to the positive effect that conflict can have. And indeed, being able to have challenging conversations is a cornerstone to psychological safety. So how can we switch our perspective and learn to see a conflict situation more positively? I, I agree with you. Conflict in a team is a fact of life. I mean, conflict is going to show up. We're sitting with different people. We're sitting with different personalities. People have different needs and different agendas. So conflict in a team is a given, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative. In fact, it can be a tremendous positive force to get the team to pull together, to get the team to think better. Um, so and, and ultimately, as Robin said, you know, help them to achieve more. But it's all about how we view conflict and how we allow conflict to to show up. So in a team, conflict can show up either overtly, meaning that it is out in the open, people know that there is a disagreement, it, you know, people can see it, or it can show up covertly, which means, you know, people are talking behind others' backs and they say yes in the in the meeting and then back at the water fountain, they, they talk about, you know, how bad the decision was. So what I found really helps is to give the team a language to speak about conflict, to talk about conflict as a force for good, to ask people to disagree and to allow that disagreement to show up. So as a team leader, again, if you're sitting in a meeting and conflict shows up, don't shut it down, but recognize it and bring it out into the fore so that people can have a conversation about that out in the open. Because when conflict is out in the open, we can deal with it. It doesn't go underground and it doesn't fester. We can deal with it and we can use it as a force for good. Absolutely, Lita. Uh, Sarah, back to you. You also recently published on uh, an article on talenttalks.net, which you in which you discussed the prevalent um, organizational inertia that we're experiencing. Could this perhaps be related to a deficit in psychological safety? As my assumption would be that feeling safe would be a key component to organizations being able to, to drive change and adapt. It is a factor, psychological safety, but I also think that it's not just the individual psychological safety or team psychological safety. There are systemic patterns that prevent it that are inherent in organizations. And I think this is the duality that keeps us stuck. So to be practical, if you think of executives driving change at the moment in organizations, their current systems 
are competing with the future desired state of the organization. So the current system still wants short-term results, it wants reporting, it wants you to be delivering on current promises, to be driving the organization. I think the pressure on board members and executives is immense to just try and sustain through these challenging economic times. But at the same time, they're being tasked with creating a new way of working, of building psychological safety, of working with diversity, of new ways of working, of automating digital transformation. So there's a pressure, there's a duality, there's competing commitments that I think is really hard to straddle in this time as a senior leader or executive. How do I create the new while I'm being measured and pressured in the current state of the system? So that, I think, leaves executives in a difficult state. And unless there is really a clear intent, change, process, support to transition into that new way of working, the psychological safety almost remains systemic. And I think that's quite tragic because many of the senior executives I'm working with or even coaching don't want it to be like that, but they almost become in a state of denial. Um, One manager comes to mind where he really is playing a positive role in the organization. He's turned this organization around. He's driving results. He's well-respected, but he's still in that mindset of drive, get results, deliver, and is actually not aware of the state of lack of safety in his team. So perhaps we could support our leaders to almost see it in transitions or phases. So I don't think there's malicious executives out there going, actually, today I'm going to make people feel terrible. So it really is how do we create systems that can support leaders to have processes and space and opportunities to build those those high-performing, connecting, safe teams that everybody wants that is actually going to help them get more innovation and creativity and support on the new journey that they're going on. So I do believe that it is a factor, but I think there's deeper perhaps causes or dynamics that we need to address if we really want to unpack and build a future state of of, of that belonging and support and meaning and future orientation that we all want. Fantastic. Thank you. I have really enjoyed our conversation. And just to bring it to a close, I think one of the things that has come through in this discussion is that we really are on the starting blocks when it comes to building psychological safety. So I just want to go around and ask each of you just to present a summary or a, you know, where where would an organization start? What is that starting block that they need to adopt? If organizations could just do one thing, the most powerful thing that would move them in the right direction when it comes to building a psychologically safe environment, what would that one thing be? So the one thing that they could do is start to pay attention to their own inner space, really start to pay attention to their own inner space, their own assumptions, how they feel, their own sense of safety. And it's hard work, but it it really pays off. And without it, there's nothing that can be created externally um, because it has no basis internally. Just a comment on also what Sarah was saying is, you know, I do think I heard recently an interview where somebody was saying, what's happened with the pandemic is that we've all become aware of the fragility of life. And so previously, where we would actually just put off our unhappiness in our workplace, increasingly people are becoming unwilling to do that. They realize that it could go. They can't um, wait for five years or 10 years or stick it out. And there's, you can feel this brewing unwillingness to work in a system that isn't 
focused on human needs, it's focused on industrial needs. Thank you, Robin. Sarah, on your side? I would love to see executives and their teams taking time to reflect on where they are at, really, and to have some honest sense-making on what their current state is and to really consider what they want, what they want to create, what they want their legacy to be in that organization, and to really try and pivot from where they are to taking some concerted and honest reflections onto next steps to build this world that we want. So executive and senior leader conversations, not even about the future dream, but just about where are we really at the moment and what would it take to shift us? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to let come? And what are we committed to for our own lives and for the organization and our teams? Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. And ending with you. Um, I like what you guys have said, Robin and Sarah. Um, my suggestion would be to for teams to be very deliberate about building connection in their teams. So for example, I know a lot of people are sitting on Zoom calls from morning till night and they're just focusing on the task, they're just focusing on the output, and that human connection is missing. People are isolated, they don't feel part of teams anymore. So be deliberate about creating time for team members to connect, to talk, to share, so that they feel part of the team. Link that back into the team's purpose, and if need be, realign everyone again to why are we a team, what is it that we're here to achieve, and how are we going to achieve it together as a team? I think being deliberate about that human connection is absolutely critical, especially now. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights with us today. It was a really great conversation. I'm really looking at psychological safety from, from a much deeper perspective, not just from kind of the, the tick box exercise through which we should approach it or we could approach it. But thank you. Some great conversations started here today and looking forward to recording a couple more in this series on psychological safety. Thank you.